Hello, my name is Ran, and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we interview inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. So, what is the first image that comes to mind when you think of aerial yoga? Is it a thin young woman lively moving about in an aerial hammock, maybe dangling upside down in some weird pretzel shape that barely resembles anything with the name yoga attached to it? Is it something more akin to a circus performance with tricks and flips and a silk fabric digging into God knows where? To borrow a phrase from Morpheus of the Matrix films, what if I were to tell you that everything you know about aerial yoga is wrong? Well, perhaps not wrong, but just not the full picture. This is why my co-host Joe Stewart and myself were so excited to speak with Renee Stevens for this episode. Renee is a senior yoga teacher with Yoga Australia, a certified yoga therapist, and holds her master's degree in art therapy. In our opinion, she's the foremost aerial yoga teacher in Australia. She helped bring aerial yoga to Australia way back in 2011, being a senior trainer for Anti-Gravity, the organisation founded by Christopher Harrison. Joe and I were both lucky enough to have a private session with Renee recently, and it really affected my approach to how I teach aerial yoga. It was a slow, gentle, yet strong class, and she opened up so many pathways for internal inquiry and interoception that only the hammock can provide. This is why Joe and I are really excited to be hosting Renee for two amazing workshops at our studio, Garden of Yoga. The first is a spine-focused aerial yoga masterclass on Saturday, the 18th of April at 2pm. This two-hour workshop is great for anyone from absolute beginners to yoga teachers curious about integrating some of the more therapeutic aspects of aerial yoga into their practice. The second is the Aerial Yoga Therapeutics Two-Day Foundations Training, which runs from Sunday the 19th of April. This foundation course will provide an informed theoretical understanding of the mental and physical health benefits of the aerial hammock the neurobiology of trauma and pain, and the role of creativity and flow state experiences in healing. This course is designed for physical or mental health professionals and movement educators seeking to harness the therapeutic power of the aerial hammock into their existing scope of practice. Joe and I will definitely be there, and we can't wait to learn more from Renee. I'll leave links to both workshops on our website at podcast.flowartist.com, so go and have a look. Now, this episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Yoga Australia, registering teachers and training courses to ensure that everyone in Australia has access to quality yoga teachers. All right, I've talked for a while now, so let's get into our conversation with Renee Stevens. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up. Oh, that's going right back to the origins. Um, <laughs> I was a, a rainforest baby. I grew up in Coranda in far north Queensland. It was a wonderful wild environment and my parents really seeked out living close to nature. So I have beautiful memories of my childhood. I um, was exposed through my parents, I think, to have an interest in health and healing my father was a kind of non-traditional general practitioner and worked in a lot of Aboriginal communities as a medical doctor and in the flying doctor service. And my stepmother was an acupuncturist and naturopath. And my mother was a teacher for different disabilities in children, mostly deafness. So I think my growing up around the parents I had and the influences of them probably did start to direct me toward following a path that was interested in health and healing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I could imagine how if that's the the family background that surrounded you as your impressionable young kid and then growing up with that and kind of seeing the things that are really important in life would really shape your direction in your future. And I'm really wondering, when did you discover yoga? Pretty early, to be honest. I was, I guess, growing up rurally, I wasn't in any locations to participate in sports or any kind of after-school physical curricular activities and you know apart from just bushwalking with my family I'd never really done any fitness (laughs) and I had a lot of back problems as a teenager with scoliosis and my favorite activities were artistic activities which meant I sat 
usually bent over little tiny detailed things and objects for very long periods of time. So I think by the time I was getting close to the end of high school, my body was really already very unhappy. And I started to follow a friend who was going to Ainga yoga. And we, we tried it in year 12 <laughs> going together. The only thing was the classes were at like 5.30 in the morning. Oh. I'm not sure how other people remember their teenage years, but I could not get up in the morning. It was like hell to get up at that time of the day. And I don't think I lasted much longer than a month or so. But after I finished year 12, I started to just read books. And I spent six months living on a, on a yacht after I finished year 12. And and it's a very confined space and I needed to do something to move. And I just started to try and do yoga on, on the deck of the boat whenever I could. And um, that was really my first my first explorations of it was just through feeling that it might help me and, and starting to play with it. And so that sounds like it was a very self-directed journey of exploration. Have you come across any like really key teachers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I guess that was my very first interest in it. And then a few years later, I was in art school and I was even more sedentary <laughs> than I was in my high school years because now I was doing 10, 15-hour days slaving over etchings and I was a printmaker, so a lot of bent-over work. And I was always complaining about my back. And then one day my drawing teacher was like, why don't you just come to yoga with me? <laughs> and so I went along to, to yoga with her and it sort of started a, another reburst of interest in it. And before long I came across a wonderful teacher who had the Yoga Arts Academy in Melbourne and his name is Duncan Ewing. He trained under the lineage of Shandor Ramit and had had a very traditional background in yoga therapeutics, which in those days was just traditional yoga, but what has now become known as yoga therapy. But it was really personalized yoga designed for each individual. And I trained with him for several years in individualized tuition. And eventually he convinced me to become his apprentice. <laughs> so uh, I embarked on a, a three-year training program with him. So I also discovered yoga while I was studying printmaking and visual art. Really? And That's amazing similar. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know the toll it takes on your body, not only from the laborious process, but you're around enormous amount of chemicals. <laughs> And a lot of lessons about patience and unattachment to outcome because you just never know how that print's actually going to come out till you peel the paper off at the end. I think all the printmakers I've met are really patient and, you know, open to surprises. Yeah, I mean, I always felt that there's a, a big crossover between the yogic arts and the creative arts and um, it is the basic fundamental root of attention and mindfulness that is the basis of both of those practices and also the fact that they both integrate your entire sensory being. Absolutely. I definitely found yoga really helped me get into the right state of mind to be creative. And I think it goes the other way as well. I think if you're creative as a teacher, you can just be more responsive to the needs of the people in your class and more adaptable to what's working for them. And rather than having a rigid script that you stick to, you can go with the flow and change your mind and adapt the practice. Is that something you've noticed as well? Absolutely. I think as I became a full-time teacher and then had a day job as a creative arts therapist, I have certainly been through big periods where I had no creative art practice of my own and my creativity was actually in what I did with people and I guess I was fortunate enough to have a really strong foundation in my training with Duncan Ewing and the way that he taught us was in forms in the same way that martial arts is learnt. So as a way to then embark on creativity with sequencing and the effect you were you're looking to achieve with a certain individual or even within a group, I guess I could play from the structure that I'd learnt to be creative, like, you know, like knowing how to mix colours well. Once you understand what colours to mix, you can make a beautiful painting, but it takes time to have that uh, foundation and then the creativity can come. But yeah, certainly I think the most creative outlet I've had over 
several years has been my teaching time because it's an alchemy. You never know mm-hmm. what you're going to get. <laughs> I walk through your door. You don't know also particularly how you're going to be on that day and you're adapting constantly to energy levels of your own as well as those that uh, you're working with. And there's a, a lot of versatility, I think, required, but creativity is key for keeping your own interest as well as your own inspiration to be able to continue to give and to be able to inspire others, I think. Absolutely. And I think you definitely, as a student, feel the classes when that energy is flowing and the teacher is inspired. And then, you know, you sometimes feel those ones as well where maybe the inspiration was not burning so bright that day. Another thing I'd like to ask you about is how did you discover aerial yoga? It was a wonderful moment of many things I love coming together. After my yoga journey, I got very interested in circus arts and particularly in aerials um, and aerial silks. And I have a sister who lives in New York City and I had been visiting her and was just looking for yoga and seeing what was in New York and I came across this thing called aerial yoga and I was like, oh, my God, that's everything I love putting in my thing. I was super interested, but I was unfortunately visiting during Christmas to New Year when everything was sort of shut up shop and I couldn't get to a class and I was like, ah, and I kind of forgot about it. And then a couple of years later, a friend of mine had been in New York and discovered it himself and had such a great response with an issue he'd had with sciatica and ongoing low back pain that I was just immediately intrigued and, yeah, wasn't long before I was in New York and training in the system and then involved in bringing it to Australia. So very lucky journey that I was right place, right time. What was it like introducing the concept of aerial yoga to Australia? Fortunately, you know, I think people down under get wind when they're a little behind the latest things in in creativity or in, in the healing arts. And as soon as they get hold of it, it takes off. So, you know, fortunately, we we didn't really have to do much promotion because there was already quite a lot of media exposure. And as soon as uh, I think people were aware that it was available now in Australia, it just really ran on its own accord. Probably the biggest challenge for me personally was most of my following, my students were floor-based yogis. And not necessarily with a love of the aerial arts like I was. And I had to convince them that this was something that could be a benefit to them as opposed to something that was beyond them. And it was, for some people, a sense that it was too too far from traditional applications to be able to be relative. And for others, they immediately took up the practice and many of them gave up their full <laughs> practice, <laughs> unfortunately. I think the perfect balance is actually doing both. But what they may have done is found other kind of gravity activities and used the aerial system for really their yogic experience. So, yeah, it was a really wild ride the first few years bringing it here and getting to to introduce it to different communities as an instructor trainer around Australia and New Zealand was just an amazing opportunity to meet incredible people (laughs) and see the see the interest growing was fantastic. And so I guess the flip side of all of that media excitement, what I often see when I see aerial yoga online or on TV is the more circusy type moves. And to be honest, the more circusy type physiques. So often it's just tiny super bendy people doing something that looks out of the reach of many of your average yogis, even though a lot of those moves are actually a lot more accessible than how they look, are there any common misconceptions that you also encounter? Oh, absolutely. I think visually when someone might see an image of someone doing like an incredible suspended backbend, they just think of circus, yeah, which is rightly so to relate it to that but the reality of the system as a hammock as opposed to for example an aerial tissue is it's providing support and it's providing access into mobility that's not compressive so people's 
capacity with the support of gravity and an apparatus like the hammock is much greater than what they can achieve without it if they were to be doing just a floor movement. So I think it it takes time for people to understand what the system is providing in terms of making those postures accessible and the initial resistance can be there. But from my experience, the aerial system when applied appropriately, is is actually a pre-yoga. I've always thought of it as a preparation for the work that's done on the floor, which is always fully loaded and compressive on joints and requires already quite an advanced amount of stability and strength and mobility to be able to achieve. So the the re-education for people is for them to be able to understand that a supportive device like a hammock that's not rigged 1,400 feet from the air like a circus performer or some crazy stunt. It's done, you know, hip height to the ground where you're constantly distributing weight between floor and a supportive apparatus and actually making it more accessible for you than when you're trying to do something without support and fully loaded. Yeah, I really, um, I have quite a few older people who come to my studio and I've just found it so helpful if I want to work on balance and stability. And often I do it with Pilates type balance and stability footwork where they might be standing on something that wobbles or putting weight on one leg. Holding the hammock versus holding a chair or a wall, it's so helpful because it can support them. They can hold on if they feel like they're losing their balance or they can use a very light touch and the hammock's there if they need it, but they're building their own strength and stability in a way that feels really safe for them. So I think it's so handy for applications like that. And Mm. then there's all these proprioceptive, all this proprioceptive feedback that the fabric gives us that we wouldn't necessarily get from a wall. So they might notice that if they're standing on one leg, you know, they only need that light touch of the fabric, but then when they swap to the other side, they feel how much more they need to hold it. And then that's already really great information for us both to work with. Mm. And I think, you know, Joe, you've been working with this system for some time, as well as having education in other modalities that are, you know, in their essence, rehabilitative, like Pilates and restorative yoga. And I think, I, I guess, this development of the aerial yoga therapeutics course that I've been working on as a postgraduate program for movement instructors, for aerial instructors, and for people of health backgrounds who are interested in working multimodally with the mind and body, is to really hone in on those therapeutic attributes of the apparatus as a sensory integrative tool. And for me, that is certainly where the value is. There's a lot of joy and beauty in many of the advanced movements, but there's so much to be achieved with the most simple application of sensory input, building trust in one's environment and in their body again, particularly after they may have had physical challenge or injury and being able to support them in the process with a tool that's so versatile is really where I see such value in the aerial system itself. Oh, it's so great. Like it's like the most versatile prop ever. Yeah, mm. I um, I do remember very strongly my first class with Christopher Harrison, who's the creator of the anti-gravity hammock. I walked out and just immediately said, this, this belongs in the hospitals. <laughs> like this should be integrated into a place where people could really benefit, particularly people who are immobilised in ways and needing to have other sensory experience again or relearn movement again. So it's, yeah, I've really seen that from my very first experience with it. And over the years of of delivering anti-gravity education programs, I see more and more people wanting to understand really the therapeutic value and go beyond fitness and know how can I use this to really enhance someone's physical healing or support someone's mental health recovery. So, yeah, it's it's a very exciting realm to to explore. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I know my, my first experience of, of one of your classes was uh, when we were very fortunate for you to deliver us a private session and I got so much out of that practice. It was really slow and I guess there were – 
movements and postures that you could consider maybe beginners level but it was it was done in such a beautiful way it was actually I found it really strong for one thing and just a real emphasis on interoceptive awareness and just really beautiful and just really showed me the the potentials that were there in in the practice Mm, so often when I'm working therapeutically you know the the progressions are incredibly incremental and certainly not even requiring full inversion because there's so much that you can work with in simply just finding first sensations of support and then gradually challenging those areas of stability and then giving somebody more and more sense of control and empowerment which only seems to enhance their their recovery because it um, continually reaffirms their possibility to to have resilience and to move beyond challenge and they continually prove that to themselves so it's such a wonderful reinforcing experience and yeah going slowly is key I I think in the fitness industry with the aerial fitness probably my biggest sadness is that many people are actually turned away from this as something they might bring into their life because their first experiences have a real adverse physiological or or just overwhelming mentally (laughs) experience and that's where it's just too much too fast for an individual and we have to remember that many people coming to public classes may not have much experience with their body awareness and many people more and more are growing up in environments where they're not even exposed to a playground particularly in different countries around the world so we have adults who have grown up without building normal kinesthetic pathways that maybe some other children who have been in more free natural environments were able to reflecting again on my childhood you know, I remember growing up in a rainforest. We had um, <laughs> we had vines. We used to swing off and land in the river, and um, you know, we just had terrain that was able to be explored. Mm. And and not all children grow up with that possibility. Some are growing up in an apartment block and just around concrete and screens. So they have very little physicality for some people. So to take them straight into um, such a experience of movement can be triggering and I guess why I really would love to bring people's consciousness to the therapeutic value is is to invite people to to focus more and more on that and to be able to more sensitively bring the aerial system to public groups if they're working in fitness in a way that can avoid adverse responses to the system simply by being more conscious of what's happening on the level of physiology for somebody with that increase of, of circuitry movement with, with gravity, it can be a, a real shock for someone who's not expecting that sensation. And also just the, the mental and emotional challenge of doing something that could be very new. And those are things that when approached appropriately can have great therapeutic value and when unraveled too rapidly could actually cause injury or could cause an emotional re-triggering of, of traumatic somatic memories so there's there's lots of sensitivity there that you can use a tool like this with and I think that yeah really the the aerial yoga therapeutics course will help people to understand what they're actually working with Hello, Ran here, just popping in to talk about our Patreon page. Now, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's just a way that you can help support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. Higher tiers get access to extra special content, and I've just uploaded a whole lot of content that we recorded for our adjustment series that didn't quite make it into the actual episodes. There are literally hours of listening there, so check it out. We also use these funds to transcribe our favourite episodes so they're accessible to the hearing impaired. You can read them on our website at podcast.flowartist.com and we just added the transcription from our conversation with Tristan Rose. It's a really good conversation, so go and have a read. We would love your support. Just go to patreon.com slash flowartistpodcast. Now, if you'd like to support us in other ways, we would love a review on Apple Podcasts or even a like or a share on social media. You can search for Flow Artist Podcasts on Facebook or look for Garden of Yoga or Ran Loves Yoga on Instagram. 
All right, that's more than enough from me. Let's get back to our conversation with Renee. I know that you're going to be partnering with a couple of different practitioners with different disciplines to get that extra layer of detail and expertise in some of the different aspects of the therapeutic process. So do you want to talk through like some of the stuff that you will be covering in the course, especially in regards to trauma? Mm. So the course is is designed as a postgraduate program. So people will be coming, I imagine, from many different disciplines. And the way that I see the aerial yoga therapeutics in application is as a multimodal application. So where I see it the most valuable is when it's incorporated actually with other therapeutic modalities and it can both enhance one's ability to be learning new movement skills across different realms or it can support recovery if they're doing quite a lot of intensive rehabilitation training or if they're doing a lot of other just intensive physical training and on the other spectrum can support also an emotional well-being with providing one the ability to do their own self-regulation and their own restoration practices. So the delivery for this course gives, first of all, just an entry-level basis because people are coming potentially from many different diverse backgrounds. The foundation course is there to provide everyone with the grounding theoretical knowledge that really supports using a system like the aerial hammock in a therapeutic context So focusing mostly on developing an awareness of the neurobiology of both pain and trauma and their interrelationship, as well as looking at more closely the real therapeutic attributes that the hammock provides and how that can be used in different contexts depending on the needs of the population that you're working with and also looking at the value of creativity and what creativity really involves in terms of integration of movement, thought, sensation and emotion and how to incorporate those aspects of oneself in more of a holistic approach to healing. So that's really just a two-day course to give people those theoretical perspectives on the apparatus and then people have the opportunity to then enroll into the full course and that will be delivered both online and then with an intensive 10-day experiential that's really designed to hone in on facilitation skills as well as giving that real opportunity for embodiment of the practice. So the theory really gives the grounding for the experiential and during the online component, they'll be able to explore the anatomy and physiology of applied work in the hammock, as well as looking at case study and programming and and how to categorise and consider carefully your progressions so a lot to do with really getting an understanding more deeply on what and how you're delivering the curriculum that's available in in the aerial hammock. Yeah, because I know that from talking to you about this previously, like you have worked both in mental health and physical health fields and experienced that sometimes there can be a real disconnect between those two areas and have created this training for both of those professional groups. So you kind of have to provide the missing skills for both? <laughs> it's Yeah, I, I feel like I, I found myself in quite a unique position because having a, a mental health background and having skills in the yoga sciences as well as some of the rehabilitation exercises just gave me the opportunity to be working often in different fields of both mental health and rehab. And I could certainly see where the integration of knowledge from both psychology and physical rehab could be interwoven with benefit to both fields. (laughs) And in many mental health settings, practitioners become very aware that there's an underlying somatic route to, to a psychological framework. And much of what we understand of of trauma is that it begins really from a body orientation and then starts the process of cognitive expression. 
but begins first with a real somatic felt sense and a somatic response from our brain and a whole cascade of processes. When you're only working with mental health through, for example, cognitive behavioural approaches or just talk therapies, you're very limited in being able to resolve a huge component of that disruption for an individual. And in the opposite scale, in rehabilitation, you know, working with somebody through their physical challenges has a has a mental counterpart. And in fact, I think many people's recovery can be inhibited if they are in a in a real hypersensitive state or hypervigilant state they will simply not be able to use their cognitive function to their potential in terms of learning and relearning new movement or new behaviour that could change their physical experience. So there's really a crossover for both. Certainly I've been fortunate enough to have the experience of working in mental health settings and in specifically in trauma recovery with both children and adults And I've also had 20 years of working with people and their bodies through yoga and more recently through uh, rehabilitative Pilates. In both those fields, I see there's integrated knowledge that can be beneficial when you can see through a lens of both a mental health framework for, for example, trauma recovery, as well as looking through that same lens of physical rehabilitation and what stages are appropriate for that individual to regain their full functionality. What I found with the aerial hammock was it was this incredibly diverse tool that I could use in both a mental health setting to allow someone to connect with their physical body, which helped to anchor them in the present, and gave us real opportunities to then explore more challenging aspects of past, even if they were non-verbalised. They had an opportunity to express through their physicality what may be held in their body and in their biography. In the same sense, I was able to use the hammock in rehab settings to help an individual also develop mindful skills and have the opportunity to find a regulated and calm state of being so that they were in a more available space mentally and physically to be learning and being re-educated in new movement. What I would notice often in my experience as a practitioner in those different fields was there'd be a missing link often and, for example, working in different rehabilitative settings, I'd often see clients arrive for exercise rehabilitation and they would already be stressed. They would already have a level of anxiety even coming to the clinic and being faced with having to really look closely at their experience of pain. And by giving them the opportunity for a supportive experience, a gentle experience that allowed them to really connect mind and body through some of the aerial hammock work, they could be in a much better place to then go in and focus on what can be quite physically and mentally challenging with rehabilitation. It could also be used effectively at the end of their exercise sessions in terms of really making sure that any excessive tightening through perhaps the repetitions of a certain control or strengthening exercise that had been done had been released and that they were in a place where, again, their their bodies were in a relaxed state. And in different mental health settings I've worked in, I've found often a lot of recovery happened through just reconnecting someone to their body and rebuilding those essential aspects in someone of trust in themselves and in relationship and in in their environment and really reaffirming empowerment. So, yeah, I just have found that the aerial hammock can be such a diverse tool and it really is a valuable tool in the right clinical hands with someone who can use it at that specific moment that someone might need that form of support. And rather than it becoming a situation where a client might unravel or might go into overwhelm 
or may just increase, for example, if they're in pain, just increase their bracing and increase their pain experience. It's an opportunity to get them back to a place that it can then again be possible to create positive change. So, yeah, I, I really feel it's a multimodal tool and in a clinical setting can offer real moments of integration as well as regulation. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I've got to say, I have quite a few people who come to our studio from healing professions. So I have quite a few social workers and nurses and someone actually found my Mm. studio by Googling, I want to be cocooned. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I guess personally for me, I understand that. And I'm sure you might share that as well, being someone who works with others. But when you are in the healing profession or, um, you know, the feel good profession, (laughs) your job make others feel good whether that's through supporting them in a mental health perspective or physical health it it has a toll on you and I think practitioners need to also learn their own access into self-care and that's another wonderful reason for for people in the health professions to to investigate the aerial therapeutics because it's something that they can use for themselves You know, one of the things that helped the creator of the hammock, Christopher Harrison, discover really it had therapeutic value was when he started to use it with his acrobatic team who had to perform perhaps three or more sessions in a day and just giving them the opportunity in between their performances to to invert, to do supportive work in the hammock and to really relax their systems completely helped with their recovery. And I think for many people in the health industry, they're on high demand. They don't stop from the minute they arrive to the minute they leave their workplace. They're seeing client after client usually. And if they could integrate into their day five to ten minutes of aerial yoga therapeutics for their own body and mind, I feel it could enhance their well-being as well as their capacity to care for those that they're really interested in looking after. Yeah, it's definitely been my experience that they have found just that time to like down-regulate their own nervous mm-hmm. systems and just to like to be able to let go and be held and supported when often their job is supporting and caring for others have been really beneficial. Those wonderful people who take care of other people all day. Yeah, and I think the other reason why it attracts so many people of those backgrounds is because they actually understand what the system is doing for them. And as an educator for anti-gravity, I've been able to, to train many different practitioners from chiropractic uh, osteopathic backgrounds, occupational therapy backgrounds, physiotherapy backgrounds, people who are general practitioners, and many of them can see straight away what they could do with this for themselves or for their clients. And it's much to do with their education, I think, in understanding what's happening on a mind-body level. And perhaps having the experience of that themselves just really highlights their own understanding of what they work with in their other professions. So yeah, for example, several of the OTs I've trained, very familiar with using sensory integrative apparatuses, particularly for developmental disorders or information processing disorders in children. And for them to to have an insight into what they could do with a hammock is so natural from their background and the way that they look at therapeutic intervention. So, yeah, certainly I think people from from many different disciplines already have an insight into why it could possibly be therapeutic. What I hope to offer people with the aerial yoga therapeutics course is just a framework of of how to go about that and and that's really by fusing the frameworks of trauma recovery and rehabilitation and looking carefully at progressions and incremental changes in someone's experience of circulatory changes and so just as a question I suppose it's quite different for everyone but what would an aerial yoga therapeutic session look like yeah and yeah absolutely right because it's therapeutic it's individual so how you approach each session is going to be very much dependent on the individual's presentation so my framework that I find works the best um, from a from a physical rehabilitative framework is to always begin with 
stabilisation. And once you've seen that there is enough control present, then start to gradually challenge that until you're in a place where you're working toward integrative movement again. In a very similar way, in supporting someone's mental health, the first step is to really ensure that there's a a deep sense of safety and that you're starting to build skills of how to regulate so that that person can become much more in control of maintaining a place that feels safe for them. So as a as a typical session, it might involve doing certain exercises that are based on stabilisation or based on assessing someone's response and allowing them to be witness to their experience and find their own level of decision-making and choice of what they want to experience. Having that really established first and then going gradually into next stages of development I think is is really where it becomes therapeutic. I find I integrate a lot of different aspects and I feel that's one of the reasons why the hammock is such a great tool as a postgraduate training because you can really work into it to support other areas of focus. So when I've been working in supporting different psychological situations with people, I've found optimal moments that they can explore something that's potentially emotional through a physical medium. And you can find a lot of flexibility with this tool in terms of what you're trying to achieve with your client. So, yeah, it's it's hard to say what a typical session would look like, but mostly it's always about monitoring those levels of safety and stability for a person and the way that you do that is to be able to really observe carefully having a good understanding of how to monitor and and take into account people's changing physiology and whether that's due to their emotional state or due to the physical challenges that they might be invited to to try if they're doing uh, work in the hammock and then offering a lot of co-regulation until that person is really established and being able to find their own methods uh, that work well for them to be in a safe and a stable place. I could imagine a lot of this practice grew out of your project that I know that you did for your art therapy master's thesis. Would you like to just give us a little bit of that background? Yeah, so my interest in integrating movement and creative therapies stem back from my own experience of working with that in my own body and what I found was that through the practice a mindful movement practice that I could really reduce the low levels of tension and anxiety and nervousness that were interrupting a lot of my capacity in creative endeavors And I felt there was such a value in using a somatic tool to help someone become more receptive to their creativity and more free-flowing with that experience as opposed to being perhaps very overly analytical about something. It helped them come from a sensory-based place and a place that was moment-to-moment in their sensory experience. What I wanted to explore in my master's was the therapeutic benefits of the combined practice of an aerial yoga therapeutic practice with creative arts therapies. And in that research project, I was able to work with several young men who had arrived in Australia as unaccompanied minors from Afghanistan and had had incredible journeys Uh, in their refugee experience, they were all presenting with symptoms of post-traumatic stress and it was affecting their ability to learn and to integrate into a new cultural experience in Australia. What we found with the combination of a a therapeutic intervention that was eight weeks and was providing two sessions a week of a combined practice of the aerial therapeutics with creative arts therapy processing afterwards was that there was really an increase of relaxed state. Many of those boys started sleeping for the first time in their lives and 
with sleep came a whole lot of benefits. <laughs> you know, they were able to focus at school. They were able to feel a greater sense of well-being and they were able to connect with play. And I think for those children, the therapeutic quality of play is really important. For a person who's experienced childhood trauma, it's often been what they have lost is their ability and their experience <laughs> of play. So the sessions that we ran had both restorative sessions, but these were teenage boys, so they were also really capable of dynamic sessions that challenged them and gave them real thrills. And um, we were able to process a lot of their experiences in the hammock with creative arts therapy directives that were exploring different concepts of safety and boundary and connectedness, concepts of well-being through uh, creative arts expression and both these tools were fantastic for working non-verbally and I guess one of the reasons why working with creative arts and, and movement therapies has been so valuable to me is that, well, for the last nearly 10 years I've worked mostly with people who don't have English as a first language and my way of communicating and allowing them to communicate is through non-verbal media and movement. So the combination of, of modalities is often really where you can hit on some fantastic therapeutic results. And what I found in interviewing the boys afterwards and inquiring as to whether they would have preferred to have perhaps just done the movement or just done the creativity, they all preferred the combination. So it did really prove to me that the benefit of working multimodally and with working with movement and creative healing tools for mental health. And I see it also equally valuable in working through physical health challenges. And it's so beautiful that it brings together all of the things that you love as well. Yeah, well, I guess that's why I love them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they have been meaningful in my own personal healing in many times of my life, but they've also been tools that I see I can help others with and um, that's why I value them because if I can help someone else with it, then I, I want it, you know, and I guess I've spent much of my last 20 years really just gathering tools to help people through mental and physical challenge <laughs> and um, the aerial hammock is still the best tool I've found. <laughs> so it's the most um, integrative, the one I can incorporate the most scope of my knowledge from mental and physical health into with the most ease. So I would like to share that perspective with others through delivering a course like this and give people the chance to use the tool to help the people they work with in many subtle ways throughout their life, in many different ways of influence. And so calling upon your creativity and you've touched on this already, but I'd love to hear the big wide open scope of it all. What are your dreams for the future? Like where do you see this all leading? I guess probably where I always saw it, which is integrated into, into our health system. So I would love to see mental health settings with sensory rooms with the, with the main centrepiece being the aerial hammock. And um, I have already been able to see wonderful, innovative physiotherapy clinics integrating it into their, their rehab apparatus alongside their traditional Pilates rehabilitative equipment also having the hammock. And I can, I can see it working so well in those arenas as well as also for the practitioners themselves having their own therapeutic tool to help counteract the, the taxing nature of working with people and have, having something that they can do to really give back their own uh, sense of health and well-being. So yeah, I guess I, I really can see it has a, has a place in those areas and I'd love to see it being used for what it can give people. Beautiful. I guess we're, we're nearing the end of our time together and we've got one more question. You might have touched on this already, but if you could distill everything that you've learnt and everything that you teach 
down to one core essence, what do you think that one thing would be? Mm, I guess integration. I have struggled personally with wanting to find, you know, specific answers <laughs> and, you know, find that if I did this method, it's going to work. But mm-hmm. the reality with working with people is that they are multifaceted. And in order to help someone, you need to also become multifaceted and work in a very integrative way. And that might require working collaboratively with others and other skills. Uh, But the more you can have a scope, a multifaceted approach to health, the better you will be at directing that individual to the care that they need and be able to support their process as, as their changing needs evolve. So I guess I do value having a fusion approach to things. It doesn't take away having a specialisation in any way in terms of application or knowledge, but I, I do sense that when we are only specialised, we, we only see the people we're working with through our specialised lenses and the more integrated we can be with our knowledge across mental and physical health, I think the more we're able to see someone for for everything that they are and be able to work with them in their multidimensionality. And I guess that's that's what I've learned over the years is it doesn't you can never heal something with just one approach. I feel like it takes many different aspects and at different times. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much, Renee. And that was our conversation with Renee. I hope it changed your perspective on aerial yoga a little. I really do. It's something that Joe and I are both really passionate about, and we both think that there's so much potential in the aerial hammock. If you're curious about Renee, what we talked about, her workshops at Garden of Yoga or anything really, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. For our next conversation, we're speaking with Dr. Gail Parker. Gail Parker is a psychologist, a certified yoga therapist, and the author of the upcoming book, Restorative Yoga for Ethnic and Race-Based Stress and Trauma. Joe and I have had an opportunity to read this book, and it's a wonderful read for people of all races on what race-based trauma actually is, how it differs from other types of trauma, and how yoga can help. Gail is absolutely wonderful. She's been on Oprah like seven times, which we asked her about, and it's a a great conversation. So look out for that in two weeks' time. Our theme song is Baby Robots by GoSoul and is used with permission. Get his music from gosoul.bandcamp.com. Joe and I would like to honour the elders of these wisdom traditions of yoga and mindfulness from India and beyond, as well as honouring the traditional custodians of the land, where this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Thank you so much for listening. Joe and I really appreciate you spending your precious time with us. Aroha nui. Big, big love. <laughs>